Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Is it worth it? The Film Review Podcast presents Road to the Oscars. Join us on this journey as we talk all things Oscars before the big event. The 92nd Academy Awards on Sunday, February 9th, 2020. So sit back, relax and enjoy Road to the Oscars. Hello. 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 And welcome to the third episode of Road to the Oscars. It's been quite a while since our last episode of Road to the Oscars, which we did in October. And during the course of that episode, we explored the acting categories. Now, quite a lot has changed since then, and we're going to be going over all the latest Oscar updates, taking a look at mostly all of the categories. That's right, Craig. And also joining us in the studio, we have Floss. Floss is a regular contributor to the podcast, working behind the scenes as well as on Topical Talk, the main show, and of course today, Road to the Oscars. Welcome, Floss. Now, we've been really excited to get you on Road to the Oscars as you have a real passion for following the awards season, but most notably the Oscars. Isn't that right? That is right. I get very invested in following the the narrative of who's going to win what and why and the way that some films or actors get this like hype and narrative yeah, of why they're going to win and seeing all that you know, roll around. Yeah, and we do enjoy that as well. We do. It's a, it's a it's a bumpy road, but it's a road that you've got to be involved in. It's really, really exciting. All the different precursors bringing us up to that big Oscars Sunday, which this year is on Sunday, February the 9th. So, David, you've uh, planned this episode. You've split things up a little bit, haven't you, and how we're going to do yes, it? Yes, we have. So, like Craig said, we're going to be looking at a majority of the, uh, of the categories that are going to be involved in Oscars Sunday. And what I've done is I've split them into different categories um, that we're going to discuss. We'll start off by discussing the visual categories. We'll then move on to music and audio. We've then got other, uh, writing, technical, acting, and we will be concluding the show um, with an explanation of the preferential ballot, which I'm going to try and do. Um, (laughs) It is a fairly complicated procedure, the preferential ballot, but also... At the same time, quite simple as well. And I'm going to try and break it down for, for the listener. And we will conclude the show, of course, with that summary of Best Picture. Before doing that, Craig, I listened back to our first ever um, episode of Road to the Oscars. Yep. And it was really interesting to see that actually, do you know, we mentioned 13 films that we thought could be nominated um why they might be nominated and why they might not be nominated. And of those 13 films, we managed to predict eight out of the nine eventual nominees. The only film we didn't manage to predict was Parasite. But other than that, we got all eight of the main films. Parasite at that time was a 25 to 1 outsider. Obviously much, much shorter now. It's done very, very well in award season and is certainly um, a front runner um, come Oscars Sunday. Um, we were both very, very strong on Le Mans 66. We predicted a nomination for that, which was quite a good prediction considering it was 33 to 1 at the time uh, to win. Um, and as well as this, we... Now, I know you were very keen on this film, Floss, but we actually predicted that Rocket Man wouldn't be nominated come Academy Sunday. I I had a feeling it wouldn't be, but I was rooting for it. I thought maybe there was a very, very slim outside chance that might get in for something. Maybe not even Best Picture, but something. And it it did in a very minor way, Mm. um, but not as much as it deserved to. 
Yeah, it was also really interesting to see, Craig, we talked about Little Women, we talked about the cast of the of, of Little Women, we talked about it potentially being the cast of the year, which has almost become true. We were very, very hot on Saoirse Ronan being nominated, and she was. And also as well, listening back to the episode, it was amazing how we spoke about 1917. At the time, we hadn't seen it, but we said from the trailers, we were expecting really big things from it. And we also spoke quite in depth about the cinematography. But that, that's, that's just what I wanted to say there. From all those films we mentioned we managed to predict mm. eight out of the nine eventual nominees for best picture and of course today this is going to be a much more in-depth show as we go through a majority of the categories and we're going to kick off as you said with visual and the first category we're going to be taking a look in there is best makeup and hairstyling uh, so we've got the films that are nominated here for that and we've got bombshell joker judy maleficent mistress of evil and 1917 now, with those films there, we've compared that with the Critics' Choice Award, um, which had a Best Hair and Makeup one, and uh, the winner for that one was Bombshell. Uh, what do we think of that then? Floss, we'll kick off with you. Well, I think it's sort of a no-brainer that they've done such a great job with the prosthetics, the transformation from Charlie's Theron into Megan Kelly, and it's like, I can't think of anything else this year that is quite so, that's your hair and makeup award mm. right there. Mm. Yeah, no, I thought the, the hair and makeup was sensational. Um, it is the bookmaker's favourite bombshell. Uh, is one to five, so a very, very short price. Uh, and the rank outsider in that category is uh, Malefic- Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. The second favourite in there is Joker. Um, now, Joker's a really weird one for hair and makeup because the hair and makeup is fantastic, but also very, very simplistic, if you, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's a much much less layered um you know layout of hair and makeup as compared to bombshell where i thought just the the way they transformed these women into their said characters uh, was just fantastic and like you said uh, bombshell did win the critics choice for best hair and makeup and it is the short priced favorite to win at the academy awards it's uh, out of those films that are nominated there my personal uh, favourite there would have been Judy for, oh, really? for various reasons. Uh, Rennie Zellweger transformed into Judy and I do think that she that they could have taken that. But uh, after seeing Bombshell, I think, it, as Floss said, it is kind of a no-brainer. Um, so obviously, Floss, you've already said that it's a no-brainer as well for Bombshell. You would agree with Bombshell as well? Yes, I think um, I think Bombshell is a, is a, a nailed-on win for uh, Best Hair and Makeup. Okay. Um, I'd like to do a little shout-out for 1917, which probably won't win, but the amount of injury makeup that they'd have had to do on so many extras mm. and, you know, the continuity tracking them, the injury makeup from one, you know, seamless. The way the injuries seem to sort of happen in real time and then age in real time and, yeah, just the sheer number of extras that they had to make up. I mean, it's not going to win, but... Well, well done to them. Yeah, no, you I make mean, a really good point. it's got a puncher's point. chance. It's got a puncher's chance, and it's a good nomination to have. And for the people who are involved in the hair and makeup, obviously they're, they're big day out on the red carpet. Um, but yeah, for us, I think we're all in agreement that Bombshell is probably the winner in the hair and makeup uh, category. Uh, so the second uh, category we've got in visual here is best costume design. And we've got the Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, the comparative uh, uh, award for that would have been from the Critics' Choice Best Costume Design. And the winner for that was Dolomite Is My Name. Mm. Uh, I haven't seen this. David, you have. I and th- I reviewed it on week three of Cinema at Home. 
Yes, and Floss, I don't know if you've seen it or not. Not yet. No, okay. So, David, would you have said that that is a, a worthy choice then? Yes, I mean, he obviously took the Critics' Choice Award. Dolomite Is My Name was a film that um, some people thought that could have been a, a contender for Best Picture. A lot of people did want to see Eddie Murphy in there for the Best Actor. The the um, the costume design in Dolomite Is My Name was sensational. Um, very similar in the sense to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You really felt that you were transported into that era. Yeah. Um, I thought the um, the production design was brilliant in um, Dolomite Is My Name, but the costume in particular was just really captured that era really well and visually made for a very satisfying film. And overall, a fantastic performance by Eddie Murphy yeah. uh, and uh, a film that is, I believe, still available to stream on Netflix. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so out of those films then, uh, Floss, will go with you first. Is there any there that you think will take the uh, Oscar for it? I was just thinking, what a lovely range of historical eras we've got mm. there. Maybe Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, because it was such a loving recreation of the era. Um, and it's it's about Hollywood, and they love that. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I would agree with you on that to some extent. Um, I'd also say Little Women as well. Um, I think those those two are my favourite. Um, I, I, I would go for Little Women myself, but... Out of the two, it could be Once Upon a Time that the Oscar goes to. Do you know what? It's absolutely amazing that you two have picked those films out because according to the bookmakers, it is a two-horse race. Little Women is the four to six favourite. So that is the favourite to take this award with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, a very close second favourite at 11 to 8. To put that into perspective, Jojo Rabbit is 14 to 1, The Irishman is 16 to 1, and Joker is the rank outsider at 33 to 1. So obviously you guys haven't got the betting in front of you. You don't have a terrible gambling addiction like I do. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it does look like a two-horse race. And for me, I've got to be honest, I thought the I thought the costume design was sensational in Little Women. I thought it was brilliant and I can see why it's favourite, but I'll be rooting for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in that category. I thought the overall production design um, was brilliant there, but the costumes were just wonderful. Mm. And I mean, I've got to say, a bit of a man crush on both Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. Didn't they both just look fantastic? They captured that era so well. And Margot Robbie as well, the, co the costumes that she was wearing. I just thought, like I said, Tarantino built that time machine. He really took us to 1969 Hollywood. And I think it's a two-horse race. And I'm rooting for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Which is a nice little segue into the next category. It's Best pro uh, Production Design. Uh, the the uh, nominees for this one is The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Parasite. Uh, the Critics' Choice uh, equivalent Best Production Design and the winner went to Once Upon a Time. Uh, so clear favourite there from The Critics' Choice as it won. Um, my personal one there would be, in fact, uh, once Upon a Time in Hollywood as well. Mm. Um, Floss, what do you think? I'd probably be in agreement. It sort of ties into the previous one as well, but it's mm. the thing of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is in an era, but it's also got eras within eras because within the film there's films, and so they get to sort of flex a little bit more um, in in showing off. Yeah, definitely, mm. definitely. And once again, guys, you've called it right. It is the favourite to take um, the 
the Oscar for Best Production Design is the odds-on favourite. Uh, the second favourite, and, and it, according to the betting, it would suggest it's a three-horse race. The second favourite is Parasite, and the third favourite is 1917, Jojo Rabbit and The Irishman. Uh, I'm surprised The Irishman's as big as 16-1. to 1. I thought the production design in The Irishman was fantastic. Scorsese, again, is brilliant at capturing those eras. So I am surprised it's... Um, as big a price as that. But if you look at the, the where the awards have been going, uh, the award f- from the Critics' Choice did go to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I would be very surprised if this wasn't one of the Oscars mm. that um, Quentin Tarantino and co. pick up um, on, on Oscars Sunday. Yeah, so we're going to move on to the next one uh, in visual, and that's Best Visual Effects. Now, we've gone... I mean, this could go into the uh, the technical category that we've, we've um, made here, but I think we put it in here because it is a, such a visual thing, mm. uh, and it's even in the name there. Uh, but the nominees <laughs> for that is Avengers Endgame, The Irishman, 1917, The Lion King, and Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, the equivalent Critics' Choice Award Best Visual Effects went to Avengers Endgame. Um, not so sure about that for the Oscar, to be honest with you. I I don't think it has a chance for Avengers Endgame to win. Um, I'm sure the betting would suggest otherwise. But for me, in a technical category like that, um, the work that went into The Irishman um, mm. and perhaps The Lion King, for me, were the two that probably stood out in terms of how they made those visual effects and how it was all brought together. However... Perhaps the Oscar will go to um, maybe 1917 or maybe Avengers Endgame, actually. Yeah, do you know what, Craig? This is, as you know, I like to keep a track on the Oscars betting, look at all the markets. This is the most open market. Um, Avengers Endgame is the favourite at 5-4. to four. The Irishman is 11-4. to four. 1917, 7-2. The Lion King, 11-2. to two. And Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, 9-1. to one. What does that mean? Well, basically that means that the bookmakers aren't really sure where this award is going to go. Avengers Endgame is the favourite at 5-4. to four, And the reason it is favourite is because it won the Critics' Choice. And also, I just want to say that Avengers Endgame, the special effects, are sensational. But when you look at that betting... I wouldn't be surprised if any one of those films won that award. Floss, what do you think? Well, again, it's like each film there represents a different, you know, a different, not a gimmick, gimmick's the wrong word, but The Lion King, my God, they made real animals Mm. out of animation. Irishmen, they made thingy, they made them all young. They made them into young <laughs> yeah, men. I mean, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Joe yeah. Pesci, they Sorry. were all transformed, weren't they? So I just called them thingy. That's a bit rude. <laughs> yeah, there's three, three of the greatest actors of all time. <laughs> Thingies. <laughs> well, I was busy thinking about lions still. Well, to be fair, the way The Lion King was constructed and the way it was directed in a sort of... Uh, Third three di- well, three dimensional world wasn't it mm. with the um with the uh, gl- the glasses I can't even remember what we called it I, uh, it was a, we talked about it in depth in the main <laughs> review on on the show and it was amazing how they did it and in my brain that's saying well that's worth an Oscar in the way that mm. they have transformed the way of directing visual effects or animated characters yeah. on screen and that's why I'm sort of leaning towards that but that's my own choice I think the, there's a lot of you know you take them for granted you forget that they are effects one mm. thing that stood out to me watching Star Wars was that they filmed some at Ivanhoe Beacon which is quite local mm. where I walk my dog sometimes and yet they made Ivanhoe Beacon into this alien planet with an ocean on it yeah. <laughs> and I was like that's you yeah. know visual effects um, and then one last thing, 1917, mm. I'm sure there's so much happening there that I just 
was so immersed that I didn't know it was happening. That's what I love about visual effects is that they can be so subtle but do so much. And I think mm. in 1917, it is incredibly subtle, but done really, really, really well. Well, there's things that I'm... My only conclusion that I can have is it must have been done in post because how on earth would they do that in real time mm. in a long shot? Mm. Mm -hmm. which makes it all the more impressive. Exactly, exactly. I did just want to touch briefly upon uh, The Lion King when we actually reviewed that on the main show and I think on one of the other uh, Oscars, uh, Road to the Oscars specials, we spoke about The Lion King as being a potential Best Visual Effects nominee. Um, the Lion King's visual effects were actually that film's downfall. And what do I mean by that? The, the, the film was so real, the animals looked so real, that they didn't have those facial expressions, which, meant it, which made it, for me, quite difficult to have that emotional connection to them. Yeah, it was hard to read, wasn't it? Yes, whereas on, on obviously the Lion King, the animated version, you can see them smiling, you can see the anguish in their face, you can see those emotions. Whereas on these lines, at times it felt like a David Attenborough documentary. And then within the same category, Rocket Raccoon in Avengers is so expressive. Mm. So it's not really like Disney doesn't have people that can do that. They mm. do, but they didn't. No, yeah, yeah true, very and, true. Uh, the Irishman as well. Um, when I mean, when you see Bob De Niro, Joe Pesci and Al Pacino in this film, you can say, are they as young as they, or, or do they look as young as they should look? No, there's no doubt. De Niro's supposed to be in his 30s at one point. He never looks that young. But when you see them without makeup or, or with the limited makeup they do have when they've been on the red carpet recently, these are men in their 70s. So I don't think you can rule the Irishman out in best visual effects. Obviously a Scorsese masterpiece. They spent a lot of money, a lot of the budget went on visual effects. And for, from a man who does like a bet, this is an absolute minefield. Anyone could win and it is wide, wide open personally and this is going to shock you i hope avengers endgame wins because for a concluding film in that saga i thought it was just brilliant there was so much potential for people to be disappointed um i know people have been quite disappointed to the way star wars has wrapped up with rise of skywalker mm. um I just thought Avengers Endgame hit the nail on the head. Uh, I thought the special effects in it were sensational, particularly in that finale scene. Uh, and I really hope it does well at the Oscars following on from its um, success elsewhere. Okay. No, uh, no nomination for Cats. <laughs> <laughs> I am not surprised. I, 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 you know the Raspberries, the Raspberry Awards. I wonder if Cats... Raspberries? Is it yeah. Razzies? The Razzies, that's it. Well, yeah, um, Golden Raspberries is the, the full title. Is it really? I didn't realise that. Okay. Well, it should pick up worse visual effects there, shouldn't it, really? The visual, yeah. I mean, if you want to see bad visual effects, watch Cats. <laughs> okay, let's move on to our other category that we've made, and that's music slash audio. Uh, and the first one in there is Best Original Song. And we've got can't, I Can't Let You Throw Yourself Away from Toy Story, I'm Gonna Love Me Again from Rocketman, I'm Standing With You, Breakthrough, Into the Unknown from Frozen 2, and Stand Up from Harriet. Um, so the Golden Globe equivalent here that took the uh, the winner here was I'm gonna live I'm gonna love me again from Rocketman and then the Critics Choice was a tie between Glasgow No Place Like Home by uh, from Wild Rose and I'm gonna love me again from Rocketman um, Floss we'll go to you first uh, out of those who do you think could win or should win Well it's funny because this if correct me if I'm wrong but this is Rocketman's only appearance in these nominations mm. tragically um so i want it to win even though so controversially i 
didn't like Let It Go from the first Frozen film. Oh, I wow. Thought, I thought it was quite cliche, quite uninteresting musically. Yeah. And I thought Into the Unknown was a lot better. Um, so if I was using my brain, I'd probably say that one. Um, but I'm not using my brain, I'm using my heart. And <laughs> in general, Frozen 2 has got a <laughs> colder reception. <laughs> no, it has. <laughs> it certainly has uh, this year. Um, I felt the music was slightly weaker in, in Frozen 2 this year versus the previous year. And the story was better yeah. where it was the reverse in, in, in the first film. Um, but out of all of those films, for me, it is Rocket Man. It's going to be Rocket Man, I think. Um, I think the Golden Globes and the Critics' Choice has pointed that way. If, if Wild Rose was nominated here, I would pointing that as number one because I really love that song and how they incorporated it into the film. Um, but for all the other ones, uh, not so keen, to be honest with you. I, I think, yeah, Rocket Man for me. And it's funny how often, you know, in previous years, a Disney song is nominated and that just wins sort of by default. Mm. And that's not the case this year. No, definitely not. Yeah, obviously last year A Star Is Born won its only Oscar for Best Original Song with Shallow. Um, I think you guys have hit the nail on the head. I'm Gonna Love Me Again, Rocket Man is the 1 to 10 favourite. Uh, to put that into perspective, you have to bet £10 to win one, which means you get £11 back. Everything else is 7 to 1, 10 to 1, 25 to 1 and 33 to 1. What does that mean if you don't understand betting? It means that the bookmakers don't like giving money away. They're pretty certain that I'm Gonna Love Me Again by Rocket man is going to win that category and like craig said with the globe and the critics choice um going that way i'm gonna love me again rocket man looks like the one to be on in that category uh so moving on to original score and the nominees for this category is joker little women marriage story 1917 and star wars the rise of skywalker now the golden globe went to uh joker and the critics choice also went to joker uh, David, I'm going to come to you first for this one. Uh, original score, what do you think uh, could win or is probably going to win? Um, for me, uh, what do I think will win? Uh, Joker. Um, I thought the score for Joker was sensational. I think it's... For me, um, I think Thomas Newman's 1917 score is is, is right up there as well. But um, the Joker score was chilling. It was haunting. It was dark. It, it literally sent shivers down my spine. Um, it's by the same person who did the Chernobyl score um, on that television series, or Chernobyl, however you might like to pronounce it. <laughs> um, and that's got a fantastic score as well. But I thought the score for, for Joker... Um, was was wonderful. The Randy Newman score for Marriage Story was 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 really nice in the background. But for me, um, I I think the best score in this category is is Joker. Floss, what do you what are your thoughts on this category? Am I, I I'm torn so much between Joker and 1917. Mm. I think those are two films that more than anything else on that list, they are inherently tied up in how how the film is. Yeah. Um, they're sort of like a defining characteristic of watching it. Like I saw Little Women just today and there were some nice moments, but I've, I've not come away remembering anything from the school. Yeah. Um, whereas a lot of the moments that got to me the most in 1917 was when the music was doing something. So like if you've seen it, you know there's a scene at night when you go out a window and the score is doing incredible things. And then Another scene when someone's running and I cry because it's so much happening all at once and the score is part of that. But then also Joker. Who would have thought that that would be the score that someone makes from a film about the Joker? Yeah. Um, it's beautiful. 
Um, so I'd be happy with either of those. I think I read if Hilda wins for Joker, she'd be the first woman in history to win for Best Original Score. Oh, wow. So part of me is rooting for that. Um, that used to be what I wanted to do back <laughs> in school, was be a film composer. And then that dream died. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Oh, how tragic. Because I don't play violin. It's difficult if you don't. Really? Yeah. So violin is the, the go-to piece for composing? Just because so much of film score is based in string. Mm. And yeah. James Newton Howard probably being the master of the string score. Yeah. I mean, it's probably easier now with technology, but I mean, I was at school a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it, I, you know what? For me, it, I'm, I'm very much so torn between 1917 and Joker as well. Um, I I wasn't Joker's biggest fan, and I feel Boo. like <laughs> <Boo>. <laughs> I feel like that may have affected my <laughs> view on the score here a little bit. Um, but at 1917, it was like a character it's, on its own. It, it embodied things that were happening in the film, and I'm Joker did as well. But I was affected by the score in 1917 far more than I was in Joker. Um, I probably need to go back and watch Joker again because it was quite a while since I last watched it. Um, but for me, it's 1917 from uh, Thomas Newman there all the way. Yeah. I was I, just... Sorry. Oh, sorry. no, you go first. No, I insist. I haven't fully got my thoughts together. So <laughs> you go first. I was just going to say I'm having sweats, shakes and withdrawal symptoms because I can't find uh, any any betting at the moment on this, on this category. But I would suggest that the Joker is the one to beat um, following on from its Golden Globes and its Critics' Choice Award. I think Joker is is the horse leading the race and it's the one that they've all got to pass. And rightly so, I, I adored the score. Okay. I was going to say, I remember now what my thought was, was that I've gone home and listened to 1917, you know, as music, yeah. um, because I love it so much. But I haven't done that for Joker because, or oh, I did once when I was painting, but because that <laughs> score is so dark. So, yeah, um, you just don't want to go to that horrible dark place. That, like the Joker score kind of, like, that is him, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. Um, his triumphant moments are represented by other music, so. Um, yeah, no, very, very true. Yeah. So it was the non-original parts that really thrusted Joker as a character into the limelight, maybe Actually, a little I bit. I have not really sold that very well. It deserves much more praise than that. Um, <laughs> I'm torn. I'm torn between both of them. They're both wonderful. Okay. And I wish it could be a tie. Maybe it can. No, it can't. Um, <laughs> I can. Can it? Yeah, I think the Oscar can be split, yeah. That's the one I think I'm most torn on for any category. Okay. Interesting. Uh, so we're going to move on to the third category within this category, uh, and that's best sound <laughs> mixing. Floss, you were looking up the differences between sound mixing and sound editing. For our listeners, would you like to explain that a little bit? Yeah, so sound editing used to be called sound effect editing, and the way they described it in this article is that when they film, they mainly focus on capturing the dialogue, because that's very important. And then the sound technicians have to fill in the ambient noise whether that's capturing real sound or recreating sound and they sort of fill in the gaps mm. around it um so that's sound editing and then sound mixing is how well do they coalesce that into one soundscape and balance everything together um 
So it's like one for the components and then one for the construction. Right. So with the best sound mixing is which we're looking at first. That's going to be the f- sort of recreation of sounds within a scene. Uh, so is that right? Sound mixing would be how well is the whole thing. So the whole thing brought together and mixed together within that scene then. So with the nominees for that category, we have Ad Astra, Ford versus Ferrari, which is Le Mans 66 in the UK, uh, Joker 1917 and one. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. There are no equivalent awards from any of the other awards uh, this year. Um, So from our personal preferences then, what would you say the best sound mixing would be? David, I'll go to you first. Uh, for me, um, I mean, there's there's a number of brilliant films there. Obviously, that's mm. why they've been nominated for Academy Awards. But as soon as, if you remember, as soon as I left Ford versus Ferrari, I just I was blown away by the sound in that, the the, the sound mixing and the sound editing. You were just there. You were taken onto the racetrack. You were in that race car. You were yeah. you were not only a passenger, but you were a, a spectator as well. I just thought the we saw it in IMAX. Do you remember that day we had? We we watched one film and then we're like, let's watch another the film back to back yeah yeah and we went straight in it was just a really wonderful day i miss those times <laughs> <laughs> it's not like they, they still happen but there was something special about that day it was your birthday i think <laughs> was it oh getting old um but no the the sound on ford versus ferrari was was wonderful also a mention to ad astra i know craig you didn't like that film but um I thought the sound on there was was brilliant. I, do, um, I, w- I will say it wasn't that I didn't like the film. I just, just not... it didn't resonate with me, and it didn't. It wasn't uh, an interstellar, which is what we were hoping it could be. Yeah. Um, so that's 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 what I just wanted to say. Floss, you're laughing. You've got something to comment here, haven't you? Oh, I just I was watching a recap of the award season so far, and they called it Dad Astra, and that made me laugh a lot. Oh, it was, yeah. no, Brad's dad Astra. Right, that's that's true. True. Yeah. yeah, well, I can see why they've why they've touched upon that. I mean, for me, again, I've got the shakes because there I couldn't couldn't find a betting market for this. Um, although there will be markets out there if you do want to really go into depth, but this isn't all about gambling. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's it for me. It's a two horse race between um, Ford versus Ferrari and 1917. If I had to pick out the two films that I thought blew me away in terms of their sound. Ford versus Ferrari, but also 1917. Those explosions when they came, they seemed to be I, almost in HD. I hope that makes sense. There was something about those explosions that was just you, you felt like you. Were, I mean, I ducked. I literally ducked in the cinema because mm. I felt like some something had just blown up. Yeah. Well, the way it was shot and the way it's mixed is well for IMAX. And to be fair, with Ford versus Ferrari, also an IMAX movie in terms of the way the, the sounds mixed together and whatnot, it's they are both really good films and they would be my go-to choices as well. Um, Ford versus Ferrari with those cars, though, was sensational and it really did feel like you were sitting in the, in the car with, with Christian Bell driving around the track. It, it was sensational, but 1917 might be my number one favourite for sound mixing there. Floss? Well, I think, yeah, I'd just be repeating everything you said pretty much. Um, 1917 does it's almost like claustrophobic at times yeah. um, like you start panicking where is the next gunshot coming from yeah. <laughs> um, especially yeah in the IMAX when you've got the full kind of you feel so immersed with the one shot as well, I, you know, you can just tell I like that film quite a lot. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, so let's tie that nicely with sound editing then. Um, so this is 
the Foley sound, essentially, the components that make up the scene. Yes. Um, and we've got nominated here Ford versus Ferrari, Joker, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Um, again, it is, for me, again, Ford versus Ferrari in 1917, and for me, again, 1917. David? Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, do you know what? If I had to choose now between Ford versus Ferrari in 1917... I'm going to go with my initial gut instinct, and that is Ford versus Ferrari. Okay. Mm, interesting. Floss, 1917. Um, well, yeah, but I'm just picturing someone in a studio making alien noises for Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> that how, how, how I, I still haven't seen it. My dream or my goal is when Disney Plus comes out, I'm going to do this Star Wars marathon, I promise you. Um, what, was the star, what was the sound like in Star Wars Rise of Skywalker? Uh, it was good. It was good. I just don't think it's worth the Academy Award, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, there's a lot of disappointing factors that get included with this. And if we're looking at just the the Foley sound and those components that make up different scenes, it's just not as well done as, say, Ford versus Ferrari and 1917, because they put you in the scenes with those films. But with... with with Rise of Skywalker, it's a very different kind of Foley sound. It's it's funny. It's it's different, isn't it? It's, I think Floss knows what I'm sort of aiming yeah, at here. I mean, there's a lot of... Um, I was going to say alien. And I don't mean alien like aliens, but, you know, noises that have to sound like not from everyday life. Like yeah. A lightsaber noise has to sound like nothing else that we know. Yeah. Um, and for that, it deserves credit because it's kind of... Um, you know, seeped into pop culture. Everyone knows what a TIE fighter sounds like. Yeah. And everyone knows what a lightsaber sounds like. And a Wookiee. And a Wookiee. Yeah. <laughs> Almost. Um, oh. That's, <laughs> that's good. That's good. More, more gut or? Uh, just more um, bass. <laughs> kind of. I, I don't know. <laughs> more, more of that buttery biscuit bass. <laughs> but no, I, no Phil, so I, I know exactly what you're saying there. And actually, that's sort of given me a bit more enthusiasm for it. I don't know if it deserves to win. I think the prize is that everyone knows what they are. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And I mean, it's been done before, hasn't it? It's it's nothing new, is it? Whereas 1917 yeah. and, and Ford vs. Ferrari, it is almost new in, in terms of how they've really captured that sound and, and put it w- with, with the mixing and everything. So, I, yeah. Mm. No, you know me, I'm team 1917 yeah. all the way. Yeah. But I just think what a reward for a sound editor to have someone actually be able to pick out your work. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Because the people that are doing like the sound of footsteps in films are never going to have someone come up and quote a noise at them. And just be like, great footsteps. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas someone will quote a Wookiee at you. Yeah. If no. you say you Which were. I just did very, very badly. So again, I apologise. We might have to do a comparison at the end of the episode. Like I'll play it side Which by just... side. <laughs> yeah, maybe we will. I'll see, see if I our listeners can I work th- out what's a real Wookiee and what's a David. Uh, uh, I think people would work that out. Maybe <laughs> not if they looked at me with my beard currently consuming my face. But Maybe. Shall we move on to the next category, Mr. Fields? David, what is it? Uh, the next category is Best Animated Feature Film. So this has gone into our other category. And what will we be looking at the in the other category? We'll be looking at Best Animated Feature Film and Best International Film. The nominees are for Best Animated Feature Film, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, I Lost My Body, Claws, or Klaus, I should say, Missing Link, and Toy Story 4. Um, I think it's important to note where have the awards gone so far. So the Golden Globe for Best Motion Picture Animated uh, Film went to Missing Link. That was a really big win there for Missing Link. 
But Toy Story 4 came fighting back by winning the best animated feature film uh, at the Critics' Choice. And if you have a look at the betting, Toy Story 4 is the very short priced one to eight favourite. So it's massively odds against, um, which means the bookmakers think that Toy Story 4 is going to take home the Oscar for best animated feature. And if you fancy Missing Link, which I think has a good chance, um, considering it won the Golden Globe, you can get 10 to 1 on Missing Link uh, to win that category. But the the betting would suggest that it's a bit of a one horse race and that Toy Story 4 is the horse to catch. There are three films there that I believe could win this and that's How to Train Your Dragon the Hidden World, Missing Link and Toy Story 4. Out of the three films there that I've picked, the two that I really loved most was How to Train Your Dragon and Missing Link. Mm. Toy Story 4 was third in that in that vote. It's like a preferential ballot here for myself. Um <laughs> And yeah, I think Missing Link, I'd like to see win, but I don't think it will. Um, How to Train Your Dragon, I'd really like to see win, but I don't think it will. I think it's going to go to Toy Story 4. Mm. Uh, Floss? No, Frozen 2. No. Um, it's nice to root for the underdogs, though. Again, Toy Story 4 has already won because of all the money it made. Um, mm. I was just looking at the Annie Awards, which is the, you know, the animation things, aren't they? Um, and yeah. Klaus was the big winner there. But oh, really? I don't know if that's going to translate over. Um, um, Toy Story 4 is as safe a bet as any because it's Disney. And, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And it was yeah. good. It was fine. <laughs> I mean, Klaus is the second favourite at 7-1, to one, and obviously... You- I know why now you've just brought up the Annie Awards, which is makes perfect sense as to that betting market. Craig, if you fancy how to train your dragon, the hidden world, that is the roughy, the rank outside at 33 to one, which means Craig, if you put one of your hard earned pounds on, you would win 33 and get 34 back. And you would be a very, very happy man and a very, very rich man. Good to know, I suppose. Uh, so let's move on to best international film, uh, and we've got Corpus Christi, Honeyland, Les Miserables, Pain and Glory, and Parasite. Uh, so the equivalent Golden Globe winner for that was Parasite. Now we've uh, seen Parasite, David and I, mm. um, and uh, we think it's definitely a worthy choice. Uh, to, you know, go and see it definitely. Yeah. Um, out of those films, to be honest with you, I've only seen Parasite. And yeah. I think you have as well, yeah. Floss. You haven't seen any of them? I have not seen any of them, which is bad. Yeah, so for us to discuss this in depth would be a little bit difficult. But the two that I know of very well is Parasite and Pain and Glory. Um, and for me, it would be Parasite, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, so where are these films from? Well, Parasite is South Korea, Pain and Glory, Spain, Honeyland, North Macedonia, Les Miserables, France, and Corpus Christi, Poland. Um, what I would say about this category, Craig, is this is the shortest price favourite of any of the films. Parasite for South Korea is 1 to 50. What does that mean? You have to put £50 on to win a single pound back. Basically, the bookmakers know that this is an absolute guaranteed cert. Um, Parasite is also nominated for Best Picture. Mm. Um, and like Roma last year, when you've got a, uh, a Best International Feature Film also nominated in the Best Picture category, it's almost certain to to take home to to take home the golden statue um 
in that category. What would I say about Parasite? Obviously, do listen out on uh, week 42 for our full review of Parasite. But it is a fantastic film, a worthy nominee, and I would say a very, very worthy winner. Bong Joon-ho has done a superb job. It's a really unique piece of cinema and one that I'm so, so excited about talking about. I went in completely blind. I knew nothing about it. I hadn't seen a trailer. Um... I was really concerned, obviously it being subtitled, that that was going to distract me from the film. It didn't. It actually immersed me into the experience more. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic film, and I really do hope it wins in this category. Floss, you're quite familiar with the director, aren't you? Well, I, I've loved Bong Joon-ho since Snowpiercer. If you haven't seen that, find it somewhere. Please watch it. It's so currently good. on Amazon Prime. Ah, oh, that's good to know. Yeah, track it down, because he's always had interesting things to say about, you know, society with his films. Mm. Um, all I know about Parasite, because I didn't want to spoil anything for myself, desperate to see it. It's not out for a little bit here um, for just regular customers like me. Um, I, I'm desperate to see it. I know that the acting ensemble have done very well um, as an ensemble, mm. despite not being recognised individually. Mm. Um, I know that it's is going to win this one for sure, and it has a real shot at Best Picture too. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I It's going to win, isn't it? It's a dead yeah, certain. It's an absolute certainty, yeah. Okay. We could move on then. Let's do that. To the writing uh, category. Uh, David, would you like to kick us off with the first one there then, please? Yeah, so the first thing we're going to look at is Best Adapted Screenplay, and the nominees are The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, and The Two Popes. Obviously, the adapted screenplay is where the screenplay has been adapted from some other source material, whereas original screenplay is obviously exactly that, an original screenplay. Um, The favourite to win this category, actually, at one to two, is Little Women, closely followed by The Irishman at two to one. Jojo Rabbit is five to one. The Two Popes, 25 to one. And Joker, the rank outsider, at 40 to one. So what would the betting market suggest there? Well, obviously, it would suggest that Little Women is the favourite to win. But it also means that The Irishman and Jojo Rabbit, for that matter, do have um, uh, a, a... a puncher's chance. The critics' choice for best adapted screenplay went to Little Women, and I think that's a very, very important uh, pointer uh, for this particular category. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, out of all of those films, it is for me Little Women. Greta Gerwig's done a fantastic job at adapting this this uh, this film, and it, it's it's sensational. Um, I would say also though, Joker for me, isn't a very good adapted screenplay. It doesn't take the true essence of what Joker was from the original um, source material, and it's it's very different. And I think Todd Phillips has did something, but Joaquin Phoenix did something even better and changed it completely. And, and in terms of screenplay, I think it's very different to what Todd Phillips had envision, envisioned because of the way Joaquin and Phoenix had interpreted and changed a lot of the film. So I don't think this can win adapted screenplay at all. Um, and I don't think it should. And I definitely think Greta Gerwig should take take the, uh, the Oscar for it. Floss? Well, that was both a strength and weakness of Joker, I think, is that on one hand, it had nothing really to do with Batman. On the other hand, it had nothing to do with Batman. So it meant it had great crossover appeal for mm. people because I had people turning up to buy tickets for Joker that had n- never watched anything Batman-related, but they just thought it looked interesting. Mm. Some people didn't even really know it was 
anything to do with Batman or DC Comics. Um, but also, does it capture Joker from the comics? No, it's its, it's, its own thing. Yeah. And like you said, it's mostly to do with Joaquin Phoenix um, being the master that he is. Um, Little Women is sublime, and I want Greta Gerwig to get something for it, even if it's not directing, Yeah. because she can't. Ooh. Because they snubbed her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. David? Yeah, no, I was just going to say, obviously, it's the ninth film adaptation um, of the original source material. And I think Little Women, the screenplay is great. It's one of the main strengths of that film. It really flows well. It's 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 helped by captivating and brilliant performances from Saoirse Ronan and Florence Pugh, um, just to name a couple. Um, and yeah, I would expect in this particular category, I think Little Women is the one to win. Is the one to beat, I should say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, does anyone else have anything to add for that category or would you like to move on to best original screenplay? Let's move it along. Let's move it along then. Uh, so, Knives Out, uh, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Parasite have been nominated for best original screenplay. Uh, the equivalent Golden Globe went to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for Quentin Tarantino and the Critics' Choice also went to Once Upon a Time for Tarantino as well. Um yeah, David, I'll let you kick off with this one. Well, the uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has obviously won those two uh, two awards. It's important to note that the uh, the Oscars is the only award ceremony to split it into two categories. So the Golden Globes just has Best Screenplay, which obviously went um, to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It is the 8 to 13 uh, bookmakers' favourite. Um, the second favourite is Parasite. So according to the bookmakers, it's a two-horse race between Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Parasite. I am surprised actually because i thought the screenplay in marriage story was sensational mm. um one scene in particular between adam driver and um my mind has gone blank scarlett johansson scarlett johansson thank you floss <laughs> um the screenplay there is brilliant and actually on twitter i saw a thing where they had the, the scene playing out and alongside it they actually had the script mm. and just seeing how they they bounced off of each other. And when you've got the written words in front of you and you can see the emotion they bring to that, but the screenplay was very, very strong in in Marriage Story. Um, I'm, I'm somewhat surprised that 1917 got a nomination here. One of my criticisms, actually, of 1917, I thought it was a technical masterpiece. I thought it had fantastic lead performances. One of my criticisms of 1917 was the screenplay. I felt that it just wandered at times and wasn't quite as strong as perhaps some of the other categories, some of the nominees uh, in this category. I've got to say, I'm very, very happy to see Knives Out get a Best Original Screenplay nomination. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we all both agree that the screenplay was fantastic in Knives Out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Floss, I'm going to let you have a little say here about those nominations. Um, well, yeah, Knives Out. Um, very happy to see that because they don't make many murder mysteries anymore like no. that. And a murder mystery has to be watertight in its construction. Mm. Um, so I'm happy to see that. Um, I haven't seen many of these, so I don't actually have much to say. Okay. Um well, for me then, uh, looking at this, I'm very glad that Knives Out has been nominated. I don't think it can win. Um, Marriage Story was sensational. And as David said, the screenplay was phenomenal. Um, 1917 was fantastic. But uh, David, your criticism is warranted, I think, um, it, to some extent. But I still feel it is a superbly made film and one that has... It has some strong merits to go with the screenplay, but 
perhaps I think my favourite out of those and one that I'd like to see win is actually Parasite. Um, It's probably not the favourite. Probably Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the favourite. But I felt like the screenplay and a lot of the dialogue went on for a bit too long. And I think that, for me, was something that didn't sell it to me. Um, But it is still sensational. And I do feel like Tarantino deserves Mm. to win. Um, But I think Parasite is the one that, for me, is the one that should win. Interesting. Like you said, um, I mean, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the favourite. Parasite is a very close second favourite. So according to the bookmakers, it is a two-horse race and one that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is edging. And obviously, so far in award season, um, Tarantino, or I should say... um, once Upon a Time in Hollywood has won at the Golden Globes and the Critics' Choice. So if this is a train, this is the train that has all the momentum mm. and this is the train that a lot of people are jumping on board. Okay, so we'll move on then to our technical Train category. analogies. <laughs> <laughs> um, no food yet, I'll try and get one in. Floss, would you like to kick us off with the uh, category that we've... Well, the first category we've got in technical one and just read out the nominations? So, uh, the first category is Best Film Editing. Nominees are Ford v Ferrari slash Le Mans 66, if you're over here, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker and Parasite. And the winner at Critics' Choice was 1917. Okay, so looking at those movies that we have there for Best Film Editing, for me, it's it's 100% going to be... um, well, what is it going to be, actually? Because I thought 1917 should have been nominated. Well, yes, this has been, you know, really getting my goat since the nominations were announced because the whole it wasn't one shot, you idiots. It was edited to look mm, like one. Exactly. And it's missed out massively there, hasn't it, for, for an editing award? And... It, it's just bemusing because, yes, it looks like one shot, but it's definitely not. And they've posted many behind-the-scenes footage that yeah. states that it was not one shot and, and how they carried it yeah, out. The lengths to which they had to go to make it mm. look like one shot was obviously a lot was in the pre-filming, but also in the post-filming. They had to be absolutely seamless in everything. Mm. Continuity had to be absolutely seamless because it was presented as real-time. And yeah, no nomination. Mm, disappointed. Not impressed. No. Yeah, and a little interesting fact for you here. So the best film editing category is a really, really important category to be nominated in when it comes to winning best picture. Um, this information isn't David Long original. Um, I have sourced it from somewhere else, uh, so I can't take credit for it. But in the last forty years, so in the last forty years, only one film has won best picture without a best film editing nomination, and that was Birdman in the last 40 years. Interesting. And that was made to look seamless as well, yeah. to some extent. Do they not know how it works? I, I, obviously, <laughs> they don't. Um, so that is actually very interesting. So mm. this could be the year then that 1917, you know, throws it out the window a little bit again. Yeah, but I mean... I listen to a lot of other podcasts and particularly one po- podcast that focuses wholeheartedly on the Oscars. The whole year they're looking forward to award season. And what podcast is that? That is Mike, Mike and Oscar. If you like your Oscars um, uh, talk, check these two guys out. Two American guys, Mike and also Mike. It's a fantastic podcast. I can't recommend it enough. Um, and they were the people that pointed out this fact. And no best film editing nomination is a real 
problem um, for 1917. Um, we will talk more about that when we come to the best film category or best picture, I should say, because it does have a lot of other mm. stuff going in its favour. Yeah. Um, but the fact that it wasn't nominated for best film editing, I, f- I mean. I would have done my coconuts on this because I would have... If you said to me, David, what is your banker for a Best Film Editing um, nomination? I'd have been like 1917. The way they've edited and cut that together to look like it's one shot is sensational. Maybe they haven't nominated because there's so much fluidity in the movement of the camera and so each individual shot is so long that they think that not a lot of editing has to be done. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking out of my bottom. Well, in 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 some sense, yes, you are <laughs> talking out of my bottom, yes. or right? No, it talk, well, right and talking out your bottom, if if that makes <laughs> sense. Um, but but the fact is that it's been overlooked sensationally. But a lot will have gone into editing that that film together, and it is just a real damn shame that it's not been nominated. Um, but out of those films that have been nominated, I I'm not so sure to be honest with you. Um, my instinct would go to perhaps Parasite or even The Irishman. Um, Floss, what do you think? I was even thinking Ford v Ferrari for mm. those those racing scenes. Yeah. Do you know what? It's absolutely amazing. You guys, obviously I have the betting market in front of me, so I know what is the favourite. And you guys have hit the nail on the head. Parasite is the four to six market leader. So Parasite is the favourite. Ford versus Ferrari is second at two to one. The Irishman is third at three to one. So according to the betting, it's a three horse race. Jojo Rabbit is 16 to one. And the Joker again. If you notice about the Joker, it's nominated in a lot of categories, but it's not favourite to win in many of them at all. The Joker is the rank outsider at 28 to one. So for best film editing parasite is the bookmaker's favorite and according to the bookmakers it is um the the one that is most likely to win yeah so i'm, I'm i've got to congratulate you guys because obviously i've got it in front of me and you don't and you've hit the nail on the head again so very well done thank you um i, I just wanted to just hark back a little bit to the critics choice world obviously the critics understand mm. a little bit more than the academy that how much effort goes into editing a film like 1917 as it won the critics choice award but you know I can't remember this detail, but the people that nominate for editing, isn't it the editing branch of the Academy? I I, I believe so. So they should know better. They should, but they obviously don't. But the critics perhaps know better. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking out of my behind and something (laughs) like... We're all talking out of our bottom. 1917, maybe the stuff they did there was actually really simple and not worthy of any attention. No, that's rubbish. You are talking at your bottom there. It, it was definitely worth a nomination, 100%. Uh, David, what's the second category we're going to be looking at in the technical I think it's one? also just... Imp- oh, no, you just mentioned the Critics' Choice, didn't you? I did. It won at the Critics' Choice. I, I apologise. <laughs> I must have zoned out. The next category we're going to look at... Uh, I don't know why you're laughing at me. Just easy to zone out when you're up your own bottom. (laughs) Brilliant. Well, let's move swiftly on uh, away from my bottom. Um, Let's have a look at best cinematography. Uh, The nominees are The Irishman, Joker, The Lighthouse, 1917 and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Craig, um, what's your thoughts? Well... I think we know what our thoughts are going to be here when it comes to cinematography. What's your thoughts on the nominations? Um, who's behind the cinematography? I can see we've we've got the names up there. Let our listeners know who's behind it, who you liked and why. 
Okay, so taking a look at these nominations, my favourite here would be Roger Deakins for 1917. Mm. He is a wonderful, wonderful cinematographer and has really managed to pull something very spectacular out of the bag here for 1917. Again, it is that technicality of it being one seamless shot and being able to light something like that is incredibly difficult. Um, But also at the same time, cinematography looks at the camera uh, technicals as well. So shooting it on a imax camera but one that needs to be able to be portable that can go on a steady cam that can go through small environments such as the trenches that they were going through is a real technical feat for a cinematographer to be able to pull together so he's done a really fantastic job with that now the second one that i wanted to look at now i haven't seen this but from what I've heard and what I have seen from trailers, The Lighthouse is a brilliantly made movie, one that has used, uh, by the looks of it, 8mm film and is shot in black and white. And to light for the old technology that's been used there and bringing it out into a modern-day cinema is no mean feat. And it is something that looks amazing. And I, I would like to see it perhaps win something. But I don't know it. W- I don't know if it will. I think 1917 is the clear favourite here. Um, the Joker and the Irishman. The cinematography is nice, but it's nothing to be shout home about. I mean, the way that they shot the Irishman, however, was with using I think three cameras seamlessly to be able to track the uh, motion capture stuff with the face. Now, that's a very difficult thing to light for and shoot for. So as a cinematographer, that's going to be very difficult to do. And he's pulled something off really well there so that they can actually de-age De Niro, Pacino and and Joe Pesci. Thank you, David. Again, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is has been lit for that era. It's really showing the sort of lighting techniques of an old school Hollywood to get that Hollywood old school vibe. Um, but again, for me, yeah, it is definitely 1917 with Roger Deakins, 100%. Once again, Craig, you've hit the nail on the head. 1917 is the very, very short price favourite, 1 to 20, um, which basically means, as far as the bookmakers are concerned, 1917 uh, is going to take home this award. Um, and yeah, like we said, it won um, Best Cinematography at the Critics' Choice. So what would be the second and third in that race there? Uh, the second favourite is Joker at 10 to 1. Interesting. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is third favourite at 12 to 1. The Irishman is fourth favourite at 16 to 1. And then The Lighthouse is the outsider at 20 to 1. But the interesting thing is looking at those prices, 10 to 1, 12 to 1, 16 to 1, 20 to 1, they're all pretty much just about... that. <laughs> it's basically 1917's award. And if it was a... a, a who would come second if if you took 1917 out? The bookmakers aren't particularly sure. So take 1917 out. What is the second best cinematography of the year? Um, it's very, very open, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So the, the bookmakers are not sure. But from my technical mind and what I understand from lighting and camera work and all of that sort of stuff, it would be, for me, second Lighthouse and then The Irishman in that sense. Um, Floss, what do you think? I really liked how Joker looked. Um yeah. There's some already iconic shots in there. Everything involving the staircase is already mm. iconic. Um, and I watched a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff because that's what I do because I'm a nerd. Um, and there was <laughs> some really interesting choices that they made. Once they explained them, I was like, oh, mm. nice. Um, about um, the lighting, the choices about like never, never getting him face-on if they can help it. So it's like he's constantly 
sort of avoiding being seen um, by the camera. He explained it much better than I just did. Uh, it's really interesting. So I would not be upset if Joker won. Um, you know what my favourite is. <laughs> yeah, yours is 1917, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Like, what What else can I say at this point? <laughs> Davidson? Yeah. I mean, yeah, for me, I think 1917 uh, is the one to beat, and I think it should win. I think Deacons is just the GOAT, the greatest of all time. He's The GOAT. <laughs> he's just, he's, he's, it's just sensational. But I reiterate what Floss said. Iconic. I love that word. The Joker is already becoming iconic. There's loads of memes and gifs out there. And you can watch one of those gifs, two seconds clip, and just the, the camera angle, that bit where he's dancing and flailing his arms and smoking mm. that cigarette just behind the curtain. The lighting there, the colour, the cinematography in Joker is brilliant. And unfortunately, it's it's like when a good racehorse comes up against a superstar racehorse. Mm. You know, and what that's what Deacons is here. He is that superstar uh, and he, he deserves to win. Okay, so we've thrown the, uh, one more category into this technical one, uh, and it is best director. It's not perhaps a, a technical category, but it is in some senses because as a director, you do make some technical choices, um, and uh, as well as uh, directing the the actors. Um, so the nominees for this category are, sorry, uh, Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, Todd Phillips for Joker, Sam Mendes for 1917, Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Boon John. Boon, I can't say his name. Someone else say it for me. There we go. Thank you very much. Parasite. Uh, so the Golden Globes went to uh, Sam Mendes and the Critics' Choice went to Sam Mendes and Boo jo- Boo- <laughs> Boon John Ho. Bong. Bong Joe. Uh, bong. I'm really bad with names. Say bong. Bong. June. June. Ho. There we go. Uh, <laughs> um, so that's an interesting one there, really, isn't it? And um, yeah, I... I'm I'm not going to go first on this one. I think, Floss, would you like to go first with this? Oh, it's another one where my heart is torn because that Critics' Choice win is sort of my dream tie, um, Sam Mendes and Bong Joon-ho. Mm. Um, yeah, oh, the um, DGA award was yeah. Sam Mendes, wasn't yeah. it? Um, so he's... I'm assuming the favourite at this stage. He is, yeah. So Sam Mendes is the one to six favourite. Bong Joon-ho, Parasite, is four to one. Uh, Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 12 to one. Martin Scorsese, The Irishman, is 28 to one. And Todd Phillips is a real mad price, massive outsider at 50 to one. As you know, Craig, I follow um, the betting very, very closely. And this market looked very, very... I would have never have guessed. (laughs) This market looked very, very different uh, before the Directors Guild of America Awards, um, which has got a massive transfer rate. So I think nine of the last 10 uh, directors who have won the DGA have gone on to win the Academy Award. Um, that's a 90% transferable figure if you like mathematics. Um, <laughs> it's very com- complex maths there. Um, before that win, it was looking really, really tight between Quentin Tarantino, Bong Joon-ho and Sam Mendes. Um, the, the the bookmakers didn't really know where it was going to go, but that mm. Directors Guild of America award has obviously shortened Sam Mendes up to one to six. And what does that mean? It just means that he's a very, very solid favourite. Um, the, the, the transfer from the Directors Guild over to the Oscar, if you win the Directors Guild, you're n- well 90% certain to go on and win that um best director and that that's that's big for for 1917 we'll talk a bit more about its um, best pictures hopes later but for sam mendes this could be a a, a real big win for him because yeah. er, early doors um 
Quentin, I mean, look at the names that he's up against there. I mean, no disrespect to Todd Phillips, and I think he does a fantastic job. But Martin Scorsese, one of the greatest directors of all time. Quentin Tarantino, a a sensational director. And Bong Joon-ho as well has burst, well, not burst onto the scene. He's obviously done a lot of films, but he's, this is his, you know, the one that's getting him the attention. And Todd Phillips as well, like I said, he's, he's alongside some, some fantastic names. And for Sam Mendes to be such a short price is testament to the, incredible direction he's done here mm. because you look at the the size and the scope of what he's managed to put on the big screen it's just incredible and that finale scene where um, one of the characters is running parallel across the troops as they go over the top to direct that is must have just been impossible and he's done a brilliant job i almost want him to get it just for dreaming that big and then doing it and yeah. doing it so bloody well yeah um, it's like living a fantasy and actually doing it and and being part of it and I I believe that he deserves to win this best director nomination um and get the award um Todd Phillips as it is the outsider but from my personal opinion he sort of stopped being the director when Tarantino stepped into the picture at, Tarantino sorry I was going to um, say Joaquin uh, Phoenix stepped in <laughs> and just sort of just threw the script out and did his own thing and he just stopped directing actors and actresses and he just let Joaquin take over. Well, yeah, which, you know, it takes a good director to know that that's the right call to make. Good but, point. Um, yeah. But does that mean he's worthy of winning the award? I, in this category, no. as much as I liked, and I loved Joker, it was one of my films of the year, but I don't think that's a best director contender. No. It's 50 to 1 for a reason. Um, and to put that into perspective, at 50 to 1, if you put on one pound, you will lose one pound. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much what it means, because uh, Sam Mendes is going to win that category. Mm. Uh, well, I think there's not much more we can really say about that no. category, because it is almost a dead cert, I think. Um, so the next category that we are looking at is the acting. Um, David, do you want to kick us off with that then? Yeah, and talking about dead certs, we've got four categories here, and all of them have very, 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 I would like to reiterate, very strong <laughs> uh, contenders, and they're almost pretty much sewn up, but we will talk about them. So our first category in the acting category is Best Supporting Actress. The nominates are Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell, Laura Dern, Marriage Story, Scarlett Johansson, Jojo Rabbit, Florence Pugh, Big shout out to Craig there who predicted um, Florence Pugh to be nominated here. And also Margot Robbie for Bombshell. Um, what a fantastic selection of best supporting actresses that we have there. Yeah. And what a fantastic selection of performances. Craig, would you like to kick us off with some of your analysis? Okay, so we will... First of all, states that uh, the Golden Globe's Best Supporting Actress in any motion picture went to Laura Dern in Marriage Story. Critics' Choice Equivalent Best Supporting Actress went to Laura Dern in Marriage Story as well. Um, So that would suggest that Laura Dern is a big, big, big shout here. Um, But for me, it was Florence Pugh. I mean, what a year she's had from um, starting off the year with Fighting With My Family, followed by Midsummer and now Little Women as well. They are three fantastic movies. And the way that she portrayed her character in Little Women, going on from a a very, you know, new teenager to to a a, a solid 20-year-old woman and the differences that she went there 
um, off the back of Midsummer as well. Yeah, literally straight, straight off, off the back. back. Uh, wow. wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really weird. Don't do that again. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I she is my favourite. I don't know if she's the Academy Academy's favourite, but she is the one that I would like to see win. Um, followed by Laura Dern, and then I think maybe Margot Robbie. I think they are the three that I would say are the in that order are the ones that I would like to see take the uh, best supporting actress. Um, Floss, what do you think? Uh, Kathy Bates was a bit of a surprise, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. Um, so I did see both Little Women and Jojo Rabbit today. Um, I thought Scarlett Johansson was fantastic, but I don't think she's going to win. I love Florence Pugh; she's probably my favourite for this category. Um, but again, is she going to win? Um, I don't think so. I think an Oscar is in her future for sure. Oh, absolutely. Because she's so talented and she's my weird life twin, which I was telling you about earlier. You were. Uh, you cut, do you want to explain a well, bit about that? Well, you can cut this out if it's not relevant because it's really <laughs> not relevant. But I just discovered there's some weird parallels with my life and Florence Pugh. We have the same name, same number of siblings. Some of the siblings have the same name as my siblings. Um, I won't go any further than that, but it's a bit weird. It's weirdly similar, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, so like Craig was saying, uh, in terms of this category, who is the favourite? Well, it is Laura Dern. Firstly, she wins the Golden Globe. Then she wins the Critics' Choice. Things are starting to look pretty tight, and she's looking like a lock for that Oscar, and it really is nail-meat-head when she wins the Screen Actors Guild Award uh, for Outstanding Performance by a Female Actor in a Supporting Role. So she's won the three awards. Did I miss that one out? You did, yeah. Don't worry about that. Uh, She's obviously nominated for the BAFTA as well. I would imagine she would win the BAFTA, and then she'll probably win the, the Oscar, which will make it five out of five um well do i think laura dern is the best in this category i thought her performance in in um, marriage story was sensational yeah but she's been such a a brilliant actress for so long that it's almost like that she's finally starting to get some of the recognition um, that perhaps she deserves. I don't think this is the best performance of her career, but I think it is ultimately the performance that is going to end up winning her um, that coveted golden statue. So in that essence, you can kind of can compare that to Leo. Yes. I mean, I've said this many, many times. Leo won his best acting Oscar for The Revenant. Whilst I think Leo's performance in The Revenant was sensational, I think he has given better performances. Um, What's Eating Gilbert Grape? He was oh, sensational. So good. Um, I thought he was... My fa- favourite all-time Leo performance was in The Aviator. I thought he was sensational in that. Wolf of Wall Street, he was brilliant. You know, he doesn't throw in a bad performance. Yeah, it was just, it was finally his time. And I think maybe you're right, Laura Dern, it's her time to win that Oscar. Yeah. Um, and the bookmakers would certainly think so. Laura Dern, 1 to 20. Margot Robbie, 10 to 1. Florence Pugh, if you fancy her, Craig, 14 to 1. Scarlett Johansson, <laughs> 25 to 1. And Kathy Bates, and you rightly said it was a surprise that she was nominated, is the outsider at 40 to 1. I've got to say that I think 1 to 20 is a very fair price on that. It means you put £20 on to win a quid. Um, it's better than interest rates at the bank. Um, <laughs> so if you want to make a quick £1, stick 20 quid on Laura Dern and you will win a pound back, win 21 quid. I must say we don't uh, support betting. Uh, but <laughs> yes. as David yes, said... We're not encouraging you to gamble, but um, the point I'm making is I think that's a fair price in light of the fact that she's won the three awards so far. She's probably going to win the BAFTA. and I, But there's no value there. I mean, 
mean, I wouldn't recommend betting at that because that's that's a one way trip to to the priory. Uh, I mean, <laughs> at one to twenty, that's you know, it's dangerous stuff betting at that price. It is uh, floss. The next category within the acting category uh, is best supporting actor. Would you like to read out the nominations, please? So Tom Hanks as Fred Rogers in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Anthony Hopkins, The Two Popes. Al Pacino, The Irishman, Joe Pesci, The Irishman, and Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay, so those are the nominations for the Oscars. Now, we have three awards that run parallel there, the Golden Globes, Critics' Choice, and Screen Actors Guild. And every single one of those, Brad Pitt has won for Once Upon a Time, <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which would suggest that that is a dead cert to, mm. for him to win the Oscar. Now, out of all of those Best Supporting Actors there, I haven't seen Tom Hanks play um, Fred Rogers in A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood. However, um, we just deleted that one out there and just went for the four that we have seen. Anthony Hopkins was sensational yep. in The Two Popes. I'm glad he has been nominated. Do I think he will win? I don't think he'll win, but he is my number one choice there. Definitely. Oh, really? Uh, followed by Brad Pitt. Then Al Pacino and Joe Pesci sort of on the same level, really. Um, that's my opinion, though. Vote splitting, potentially. Mm. Um, I think Brad Pitt surely has this one in the bag. Yeah. 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 That's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the betting, again, 1 to 20, um, the betting would suggest that Brad Pitt has this lockdown. Look, when you win the Golden Globe, when you win the Critics' Choice, and when you win the Screen Actors Guild, the Oscar is on its way. And what Brad Pitt has done fantastically well this award season as well is it does make a difference what you say when you win these awards, what kind of speech you give. Joaquin Phoenix's speech at the Golden Globes was a little bit wonky actually and he's done much better since but Brad Pitt if you haven't seen them YouTube his Golden Globe um uh, speech, his Critics' Choice speech, his song. Well, the ex- acceptance speech. Yeah, the acceptance speech, right. because he comes across as so, which you wouldn't expect from Brad Pitt, he comes across as so humble and just down to earth and, and, and just really thankful and he's really been very thankful to Leo and the support he gave him in this role and giving Leo the credit he deserves. Um, he's 1 to 20 for a reason. Like you say, I haven't seen Tom Hanks in A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood, but Tom Hanks is one of my favourite actors of all time, so I'm sure he gives a brilliant performance. Um, Anthony Hopkins in The Two Popes, I'm delighted he was nominated. I thought he was sensational. Mm. And then I've got to say, I am really, really happy for Al Pacino and for Joe Pesci. Um, I think in any other year, if you took away Brad Pitt, I think because he is due an Oscar. Let's just say that that Oscar is very much overdue. Both of those are Oscar worthy performances and very rightly so nominated. And it will be Joe Pesci's last Oscar nomination because I imagine it will be his last ever performance. I think you might be right with that one. Yeah. Um, let's move on to number three here. Then it's best actress. Um, so we've got Cynthia Ervrio for Harriet, Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story, Saoirse Ronan for Little Women, Charlize Theron for Bombshell and Rennie Zellweger for Judy. Um, <laughs> so we can see that there have been the Golden Globes. Best actress in a motion picture drama went to Rennie Zellweger. Uh, got the Golden Globe for best actress in a motion picture musical or comedy went to Awkwafina 
in The Farewell. The Critics' Choice went to Renée Zellweger and the Screen Actors Guild also went to Renée Zellweger, which kind of means that she's going to take the, the Oscar, I think. I think uh, <laughs> your betting would suggest that if you had a look at that. Um, personal preference, definitely, as well. I've been you saying it from, from the very beginning when we reviewed the film on uh, the main show. Um, but let's not rule out Charlize Theron. I think she was really, really good in Bombshell. We haven't reviewed it properly yet, but it was a really great performance. Saoirse Ronan, I think she did really, really good in Little Women, but I don't think it was an Oscar-winning performance. Um, I haven't seen Harriet, but Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story was also amazing. So for me, Rennie Zilwiger, Charlize Theron and Scarlett Johansson are the three that I would say are the ones that are competing against each other, but it's going to go to Rennie Zilwiger <laughs> without a doubt. Yeah. Can you guess what price she is? No. One to twenty. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which there's a bit of a running theme here. Yeah. Um, what I would say is, again, credit where credit is due to Craig. Craig was all over Judy when Judy came out. Um, I wasn't as hot on it as Craig was, but Craig was like Judy, um, Rennie Zellweger. She's going to win the Oscar for Best Actress. I was like. Pfft. Craig talking out of his bottom again. But Craig, <laughs> you're absolutely spot on. Um, Scarlett Johansson, Marriage Story, I think any other year, um, that would be a major, major contender. Cynthia Erivo, Harriet, unfortunately we haven't seen that. Um, Charlize Theron in Bombshell, I, th- I, I, I thought she was brilliant. I really just thought she was absolutely outstanding. As, as soon as I saw five minutes of her performance, I was like, this screams Oscar. Mm. And then Saoirse Ronan, Little Women, she, her day in the sunshine will come. She will win an Oscar in the future. But again, like the uh, previous acting categories, it's looking pretty sewn up. Mm. Um, and it looks like Rennie Zellweger is going to take home that golden statue. Floss, what did you think about that category? Get your broom because Renee is sweeping. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shots have been fired. Shot, I love that. That's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, who else at this stage can do it, really? Yeah. Um, Sasha up. Ronan is really good, but it's not as showy a role um, as plenty of these. Like Bombshell, that's quite a showy role. But yeah, this is Renee's. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Uh, David, best actor. So we're moving on to the final uh, category in the acting category, and it is Best Actor. We've got Antonio Banderas, Pain and Glory, Leonardo DiCaprio, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Adam Driver, Marriage Story, Joaquin Phoenix, Joker, and Jonathan Price for The Two Popes. So where have the awards been going? Well, the Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Motion Picture Drama winner went to Joker. However, the Golden Globe for Best Action, sorry, Best Actor in a Motion Picture Music musical or com- comedy um, actually went to um, Taron Egerton, Rocketman. Um, and it's a bit of a, a disappointing um, category for for Mr. Edgerton because he isn't nominated here. So he's won that Golden Globe in the musical or comedy category, yeah. uh, but he hasn't picked up that Oscar nomination, which would come as a surprise to some. Um, but where do the other awards go? So obviously Phoenix wins the Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Motion Picture Drama. He then picks up the Critics' Choice and... And he wins the Screen Actors Guild. So as Floss would say, it looks like uh, Joaquin is also going to be sweeping. Get the um, broom. Get, get the broom out because Joaquin is sweeping. Uh, I would very much expect him to win the the BAFTA. And when it comes to the uh, betting odds, what price is he? Well, there's a bit of an ongoing theme here. 1 to 20. Adam Driver, 10 to 1. Leonardo DiCaprio, 20 to 1. Antonio Banderas, 50 to 1. Jonathan Price, 50 to 1 to one 
what is what does that betting mean? Like I've already explained, and if you don't understand, it looks like Joaquin Phoenix is taking home that Oscar, and rightly so. For me, not only one of the best performances of the year, one of the best performances in the last 10 years, one that is iconic already, and I think people are going to look back on Joker in 5, 10, 15, 20 years' time and say, wow, that was a revolutionary piece of acting. He takes you on a dark, disturbing and horrible journey, an uncomfortable journey as you watch one man unravel and descend into madness. He looks psychotic at times. He's he's scary. Mm. He's unhinged. He's on the edge. And his performance is compelling and he will win the Oscar and, and congratulations to him. I'll congratulate him now because it's over. <laughs> Look, I, I've not been very complimentary to the movie Joker, but Whacking's performance in it is sensational and it is a dead cert um, and I would expect nothing less from him uh, being able to pick up that award however I don't think it's his best performance I think his best performance was from You Were Never Really Here the Lim Ramsey movie which was just amazing but he wasn't even nominated for that in that uh, for the best actor category um, despite it definitely being one of his finest performances ever um, so that was a bit of a disappointment for me um, but looking down this list Joaquin Phoenix Yep, definitely going to win it. Followed by Adam Driver is my next shout. And then Jonathan Price. They were the three that I would have said uh, had the biggest shout at winning it. Um, we, we didn't see Pain and Glory. Antonio Banderas was amazing in this film, according to Toby, who told me a lot about it. And that would have been his shout there but in terms of like being nominated. Um, but yeah, Joaquin Phoenix is going to take it. Floss, your thoughts? Well, this is such a category for me because there's so many people I love here. Mm. Like, DiCaprio was, like, defined my teen years, like, for so many people. Um, because he's a good actor, not just because he's handsome. Um, <laughs> I was like, And he is handsome. Yeah, I was obsessed with it. I watched, like, his whole filmography. Oh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape? What a film. It's sensational, um, isn't it? If you haven't seen What's Eating Gilbert Grape, currently on Amazon Prime, little plug for it there, go and watch it. Craig, I know you haven't seen it. Watch it. It's mesmerising. It's cute. Skewed. It's cute. Skewed. I thought you were saying skewed. I thought you were saying skewered, like skewered lamb. No, it's skewed up in the prime list. Good. Good. (laughs) Oh. So, yeah, Adam Driver, I love him too. There's, again, there's an Oscar in his future for sure. It wasn't his year last year. It's not his year this year, which it was for a few months. He was doing so well in the the betting um, and the predictions, but... The, the tide is not with him so much anymore. Um, it will be one day. Yeah, he's uh, defi- there's an Oscar in the pipeline for Adam Driver, along with Saoirse Ronan. Um, Driver is a wonderful actor, and he was superb in Marriage Story. But he's just bumped uh, bumped into a, uh, a career-defining. I know, for obviously, you don't think it's a career-defining. For me, Joaquin Phoenix's career-defining performance was as Johnny Cash yeah. in Walk the Line. Yeah. I thought he was wonderful in that. Um, but for me, there's just something about Joker I can't emphasise enough. I've seen it three times already. I believe it's available for digital download now. Yep. Um, I will be downloading it and watching it again because I loved it. Good. Um, <laughs> oh, I still have so much more to say. I'll try and be quick. It's great to see Jonathan Price there because there was that push when, when The Wife happened. Mm. Um, and then he didn't get nominated, did no, he? No, he was brilliant in The Wife as well. Yeah, and... we did last year really comment on that. Um, he was brilliant in that and he was he's great in the two popes as well um and then taron edgerton who i've loved for a long time 
And when I first became a fan of him, um, I discovered that he listed singing on his, um, you know, the old Spotlight page. Yeah. And I was like, I can't wait for him to do a musical. And he did. And it was brilliant. Um, I've also spoken before about how much I love Rami Malek. But if you're comparing performances of iconic British musicians, I, I think Rocket Man was the stronger film. And oh, without a doubt. It's sad that... Um, that Bohemian Rhapsody can win and Rocket Man doesn't get a look in. It's just the year yeah, with a mix the of different year. films um, and and actors that have been nominated here. I think if it was last year and Bohemian Rhapsody wasn't out and Rocket Man was, that would be taking a, a lot of the awards. Um, but Bohemian Rhapsody for me was very weak, very very weak. It's a similar thing with you and Joaquin Phoenix. For me, Rami Malek's best role will always be. I mean, maybe not always. Who knows what he's going to do next? But Elliot in Mr. Robot is yeah, such no. a... I agree with you on that. He's he's good as Freddie Mercury, but I wouldn't have said if it was a fight between Taron Egerton and Rami Malek, then I'd, I'd go with Taron that's, Egerton. That's a fight I would pay money to see. Would you bet on it? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, I would. And I'd then, bet on a couple of pigeons. <laughs> bet on anything, wouldn't you? Absolutely. So I should then say... After all that, my winner's Joaquin Phoenix because I love him and I love the film. And <laughs> oh, yeah. who'd have thought to have a role that was mm. held so firmly by another actor for 10 years, um, Heath Ledger as the Joker, that anyone could come in and somehow, like, not unthrone him because I've had Heath Ledger's Joker poster on my wall for 10 years. Um, that's No one can diminish what he did. But to have another yeah. actor manage to mm. be like, hi, I'm here as well, mm. that's... That's quite monumental. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's very impressive from, from Joaquin Phoenix. And it is going to be a dead cert without a doubt. Yeah. Everyone knows that. Um, He's yeah. overdue. He is overdue. Yeah, and it's testament to his performance. Like you said, when I saw Joker in the pipeline, I thought, oh, my word. Everyone is going to compare Joaquin Phoenix to Heath Ledger because Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker was mesmerising. And the fact that he... And you you can't really compare them or nah. if you if you wanted to compare them you could do a whole podcast on that um so take them away from each other as a standalone performance it's incredible and what i like about it is that people haven't been comparing them because they're such different jokers uh, and they're in di- different kind of films um but whacking phoenix to 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 take like you said that that role that i mean don't forget jack nicholson played the joker as well oh, I mean, yeah Mark Hamill, yeah, iconic. Yeah, absolutely. Iconic people have played that role. And Joaquin Phoenix stamps his authority on it and makes it a very unique... And what I like about all the different actors that have played all the different Jokers is they all have a different spin on it. Whether you look at um, Nicholson or Ledger or Phoenix, they're all different. And congratulations, Mr. Phoenix. You know, well done. Jared uh, what... Leto. <laughs> oh, oh, Caesar oh. Romero. Well, yeah. Caesar um, Romero back in the day on, yeah, the, on the TV. Yeah, Caesar Romero. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you've got so many different kind of performances there, and Joaquin Phoenix has brought something unique and original to the table. And I think he's going to be sweeping as well. Absolutely. Get um, your brooms. Get your broom, indeed. Uh, get your broom out now, because actually we're going to go to a quick ad break before finishing the show with our <laughs> best picture nominations prediction. And David's ballot, uh, what was he called? Preferential ballot explanation. There we go. 
Is It Worth It presents a special edition bonus episode. Star Wars, the complete saga review with me, Craig Fields, Ranjit Namra, and my good mate, Kyle Belcher. Now together we go on a journey discussing all the movies from episode 1 right up to the latest instalment with episode 9. So if you want to know what we thought of all the main saga films, then listen out for this bonus episode of Star Wars The Complete Saga Review. Welcome back and make sure you do listen to that very special episode that will be out soon. So it is now time for the big finale that is Best Picture. But before we go on to Best Picture, I said that I would give a very brief explanation of what the preferential ballot is. The Academy Awards used to have five nominations for Best Picture and it worked on the popular vote. So what the Academy would do is you would have one vote for your favourite picture and you would pick that and the film that got to 50% or more of the vote would win best picture what they do now is they actually rate their pictures from one to ten or as it would be this year from one to nine so under the preferential ballot voters rank all of their best picture nominees from best to worst if no film is ranked first on more than 50 percent of the ballots the film with the fewest votes for that for the top spot is removed from consideration and those ballots are redistributed to the films that they ranked second. This process continues until one of the films has more than 50% of the ballots on its pile. So what does that mean? So let's say that Ford versus Ferrari has the least number of number one votes Mm -hmm. in the first round of the ballot. Ford versus Ferrari is then removed from consideration for best picture. But the people who voted for Ford versus Ferrari as number one, their number two vote now becomes their number one vote those ballots are then redistributed they count them again whoever is lowest is then removed so say little women is the next one to go out whoever voted for little women is number one their number two vote is now punched up and that continues until one film has more than one has more than 50 percent of the popular vote what does that mean it means that films like the joker are likely to struggle under the preferential ballot. Why? Because The Joker is a real Marmite movie. The Joker is the kind of film that I would have number one on my ballot, but many people might have it as number nine. Some people absolutely despise The Joker. Whereas something like 1917 is a much more widely or unanimously enjoyed film so 1917 may not be number one on everyone's ballot but it may come in at the number two spot it may come in at the number three spot it may come in at the number four spot and if their number one spot is eliminated from the ballot then 1917 gets pumped up to that number one what the preferential ballot means is that Broadly, more popular films like 1917 are likely to do better. More polarising films like um, Joker or, for example, last year, A Star is Born are likely to do worse. So taking that sort of on the chin there a little bit, The Shape of Water or A Shape of Water won the Oscar. Mm. That was quite a polarising film. But at the same time, I didn't like The Shape of Water. I thought it was it sh- it should have it should have lo- three billboards should have won. But the reason I think A Shape of Water won um, was because it would have been num- it would have been high up on everyone's ballot. Everyone would have said, you know, The Shape of Water is a really good film, and I think it would have come in at number two, three, and four on quite a lot of ballots. Whereas I think 
uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, again, might have been number one for a lot of people, but a lot of people might not have liked it at all, and it might have been much lower. So those films that are brought, have much more broad appeal... And you might say that The Shape of Water was polarising, but even though I didn't like it, it might still have been quite high up on my ballot because the acting was brilliant, the direction was superb. So what the preferential ballot does is it gives all films an opportunity because on the old voting system, um, not every film would have a chance. Under the preferential ballot, it makes it more likely for all of the films to have more of a fighter's chance. Okay, so with that in mind then, the best picture nominations this year, David, that we've got, if you'd like to read those out, um, and then we can sort of analyse that from a, um, a ballot point of view, I think, mm. would be a good way of starting. So, go on. So, the nominees for Best Picture are Ford versus Ferrari, or Le Mans 66, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Craig, where on earth do you want to start with all of these? Well... If we're looking at this from a Academy point of view, um, if I was going to be doing my ballot, um, I'm going to use, I'm going to just take three films and put those as my num- one, two, and three. Mm. My number one would be 1917 without a single shadow of a doubt there. My number two would be Parasite. And number three probably would be Once Upon a Time, maybe. Mm. No, would be Little Women. Okay. So those are the three that I would put in that sort of order. Um, did your phone just go? My phone vibrated. Oh, that's okay. I'm so sorry. Don't worry. It's all good. Um, so those are the three films anyway that I would I would put in that order. Um, and I would like to see 1917 take Best Picture here. I think it's got a really, really good shot with all the other awards that it's nominated for and is a shoe-in for. Um, but obviously with the preferential ballot, it doesn't mean it can win or it can't win but as we know it's a very broad film um so maybe it can i mean if we're going to do the top three my top three would be joker um it would then be 1917 and third would be once upon a time in hollywood okay well when i look at that list and think about films that have wormed their way into my brain this this award season the top two 1917 and joker um, and I also loved Little Women, so that that would be my third. Mm. So with that in mind then, looking at that, from a preferential ballot point of view, and I know there's only three of us though, it could mean that Joker's not is somewhat ruled out in some respects because it is doesn't have that broad appeal, even mm. though you two both had it as had a it number quite, one. Had it number one or a number two spot. But it wouldn't pick up any from you until really late in the in the game yeah by which point it could be knocked out exactly so it's a really difficult one to sort of look at really um but i i feel like 1917 is going to take this the the problem you've got here is how can 1917 not be in the top three or four of of your films Mm. like how can anyone really look at those lists so you could be you know you could have parasite at one you could have once upon a time at hollywood at two you could have joker at three but then 1917 is probably going to come in at number four and what we will get onto is the producers guild of america awards which also uses the preferential ballot and how important that win uh, was for 1917 and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second but in terms of other best picture wins craig where have they gone uh, so the Golden Globes, Best Motion Picture Drama went to 1917. Uh, best Motion Picture Musical or Comedy at the Golden Globes went to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
Followed that after that, we have uh, the Critics' Choice. Best Picture winner went to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then it is the PGA's Producer Guild Award. Uh, that went to um, 1917 as well for all yeah. of those that worked on that film. So it does look like 1917 is in with a shoe here. So so the, the way it was working, Golden Globes, it was a dead heat. You had 1917 win. You had Once Upon a Time in Hollywood win. Then it went to the Critics' Choice. It was a really, really, really big win for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at the Critics' Choice. And it all came down to the Producers Guild of America Awards. Now, the PGA Awards have a 72% success rate at predicting the best picture Oscar winner the winner of the PGA Awards top prize has has historically been a strong indicator of which film will go on to win the best picture Oscar since 1989 the PGA has matched up with the top Oscar 21 out of 30 times and who won that producers guild award well it was 1917 and that caused an absolute storm in the betting market 1917 was as big as 6 to 1 a few weeks ago it is now 2 to 5 favourite I will run through all of the betting but going into the PGA it was wide open it was a split between um 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Parasite. The bookmakers couldn't really split those three. They were flip-flopping in the market. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood had been the, the one of the favourites for quite a long time. But after the PGA Award, um, 1917 is the favourite. And like you said, why is that? It's because the PGA Awards have a 72% success rate at predicting the best picture Oscar winner. Well, uh, an interesting thing that I was reading up on was um, it's very rare for a film to win Best Picture at the Oscars without any acting nominations. Mm. Um, however, two of the front runners, Parasite and um, 1917, have got no acting nominations between them. And I was going to say this in the acting bit, and I didn't. George Mackay was robbed. He really he carried that film. And I'm very disappointed. Um, but yes. And also, we mentioned earlier, no editing nomination for 1917 either. So if you're a fan of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that has still got a puncher's chance. Obviously, it did win um, musical or comedy at the Globes. It did win the Critics' Choice, but it missed out on the PGA. The PGA was key. Whoever won the PGA was always going to be the bookmaker's favourite to win Best Picture. Would you like me to give you a full rundown of the odds, just so you can get an idea? Go for it. 1917 is the 2-5 to favourite. Parasite, 4-1. to one. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 5 to 1. Joker, 12 to 1. Then we get into the much bigger prices. Jojo Rabbit, 50 to 1. Marriage Story, 50 to 1. The Irishman, 50 to 1. Little Women, 80 to 1. And Ford versus Ferrari, 100 to 1. So, what's the favourite to win Best Picture? 1917. What's the least favourite and most likely you would think to go out in the first round of that preferential ballot? That is Ford versus Ferrari. Not many people are going to have Ford versus Ferrari as number one on that preferential ballot. I would think. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that one. I mean, it is a great film, um, but it's it, not one I'd put as number one. It's happy to be nominated, uh, along with the likes of Little Women. I think Little Women and Ford versus Ferrari are happy to be nominated. Yeah. Um, Floss, you had some other comments that you wanted to mention earlier on about uh, the sound mixing and sound editing? Oh, yes. Yeah. So I was looking at all, you know, the precursors that can argue for and against a film. I haven't mentioned SAG Ensemble, have I? Screen no. Actors Guild Ensemble. But that's also a good, um, you know, sign of what's to come. If you win, it's their equivalent of Best Picture is Best Ensemble 
in a motion picture. And that was one by Parasite. Yes, it was. So very positive for them. Um, but also a lot of the films that win Best Picture don't just win Best Picture. They sort of snowball awards um, up until the big one. And I was going to say when talking about sound that war films often do very well. Um, for example, Dunkirk won sound editing and mixing a couple of years ago. So that is a possible positive for 1917. Yeah, uh, yeah definitely, definitely, definitely. So, I mean, it's it's quite easy and quick analysis that you can do with the best picture one because it was almost a dead cert in some respects but because of that preferential uh, preferential ballot it does shake things up a little mm. bit and it's almost like it's almost unpredictable in a way because there could be something that sneaks up on that and it could be once upon a time that sneaks up on on it by being number 2 in a lot yeah. of people's preferential ballot the the PGA award is really really important why though because the P- producers guild of america uses that preferential ballot so there's that crossover from the PGA what you would say is it it does look like that three horse race between 1917 parasite and once upon a time in hollywood i think what 1917 has in its favour obviously a week before the Oscars is the BAFTAs you would think that um, 1917 would not only win best British film but best picture that would be two more big wins for it Um, so going into the Oscars race it really does look like after that PGA win after what you would expect to be two wins at the BAFTAs that 1917 is definitely the one to beat but if a film is going to beat it what do I think it will be I don't think it will be the Joker Um, I just don't think Joker will be high enough on enough people's ballots. I think a lot of people will have Joker at number one, but I think a lot of people will have Joker really quite far down. The same with Parasite. I'm not sure we're quite ready yet, or I'm not sure the Academy's quite ready yet to have a foreign language film. Roma couldn't do it. So I, I think Parasite will struggle. So I think that's out. So Parasite's out. Joker's out. Jojo Rabbit, Marriage Story, The Irishman, Little Women and Ford versus Ferrari for a number of reasons. I think they're out. So for me, it's a two horse race between 1917 and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. One is two to five. If you fancy Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it is five to one. I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has got its uh, work cut out. I wouldn't be shocked if it won. But like you said, there's a 72% success rate at predicting the Best Picture Oscar winner from the PGA, and 1917 won the PGA. Great stuff. Um, I think we can sort of round this up a little bit. Mm. Um, we, I think we're all in agreement here that 1917 is probably much going to, it's probably going to win it maybe once upon a time. Yeah, I know what I'd prefer. Yeah. We all know what I'd prefer. <laughs> should, we, should we go around then? You have to pick one film to win Best Picture, not what you think will win, but what you want to win. Okay. Craig. 1917. Yes. For performances, for scope, imagination... Uh, accomplishment in every field 1917 for me it won't win but if i could pick one it would be number one on my preferential ballot would be joker thank you very much for listening to road to the oscars episode three we'll see you next time for the final episode of road to the oscars season one when we present road to the oscars end of the road where we will be analyzing obviously what happened at the academy awards were there any upsets who were the big winners and what were the main talking ports talking ports talking (laughs) points of that wonderful wonderful evening Uh, if you'd like to get in contact with the show you can email us on my mail is worth it at is it worth it podcast.com that email address again is my mail is worth it at is it worth it podcast.com 
or you can find our social media links on the website. Just go to isitworththepodcast.com. And don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Your five-star reviews and your comments do go a long, long way in boosting us up those podcast charts. And we really do appreciate all of your wonderful feedback that we've had so far. So thank you very much for listening to Road to the Oscars. And goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. (laughs) And come on, Joker. Yes, come on, imagine the chaos. Imagine the chaos that will ensue on film Twitter if Joker... Imagine if it wins, though. And the winner is Best Picture, Joker.